0: You are now listening to Message 2 from the 2010 Daughters of the King Women's Retreat with guest speaker Sharon Thomas. Last night I started by reading you a story, which was a parable of the king. Some of you have asked about what is the title of that, and you want to know exactly. I have it back there on the table if you want to ask about it back there, and we can give that to you. But it really is an allegory of our relationship to God as we are His daughters. And I know last night that we talked about a lot of doctrine, but I really thought that was important as I prayed over this weekend. The Lord just really impressed it upon me. We've got to make sure that... Our image of who our God is and our relationship to Him is based in this. Not in some idea that somebody told us at one point or another or things that we've come up with on our own, but really in what the truth says. And receiving Jesus, the Word of God says, is what makes you a daughter of the King. And you know what? Sometimes we just need to go back to the basics and be reminded of who we are Because the world causes us to forget that a lot of times, doesn't it? And so that's why I wanted us to start that way. But you know what? Once you become a daughter of God, what happens then? You know, what happens next? What happens after you become one? The princess in the story that we read about last night, she was a daughter of the king. She was a daughter of the king, and yet she still chose her own way. Now, although that story was not true... We certainly, I know that I can, and I'm sure many of you can, see ourselves in the line of that story. You know, how many of us have become a daughter of the king and then run off out of the palace to do our own thing? In fact, the Bible has a story very similar, the prodigal son, where definitely a child of the, of the, of the father and yet goes off, even for a very long time, to do his own thing, and yet how the father welcomed him back. This morning I want to begin with another story. It's not one that I'm going to read to you, I'm just going to tell it to you, and it's actually my own story. I mentioned to you last night that my story includes a rebellion that was kind of subtle. In other words, it was going on inside of me. It wasn't something that I really manifested in a lot of behaviors, but I'm going to share about that with you because it was certainly just as destructive i grew up in the church and when i was eight years old i said jesus i want you in my life i accepted him i became a daughter of the king when I was eight years old and invited him into my life and I was, I was baptized then, I loved the people of God. I loved being in the church. If you could say in the context of what we're talking about this weekend, I loved the palace life, you know. It was just great. I mean, I, I was one of those kids that wanted to be in church every time the doors were open. And I, And I do believe that I love the Lord. But I think one of the things that can be such a positive thing for kids growing up in church is just that family atmosphere. It's such a positive and affirming place most of the time and it was for me growing up there and I loved that and I embraced that but as I look back on that experience I didn't get a whole lot of biblical understanding during those years now that doesn't mean it wasn't taught to me it just means that I didn't really embrace it or grab a hold of it too much I ended up going off to Bible college when I was 18 and graduated from high school and I I wanted to be in ministry a lot of that was because I loved the church life you know I look back on that, and I I didn't have a clue. (laughs) I really didn't have a clue about what that really was all about. And during those years, I started started to have some little jaunts away from the palace, so to speak, Uh, mainly involving a relationship that I was in that was very ungodly, And these little escapes from the palace were really kept in secret from the people around me. Um, I've done a lot of acting in my life and not just on a stage. (laughs) I, I learned how to play the part and I knew all the lingo and I knew the things to say. But the more I would run off and do my own thing, I could still act like on the outside that everything was just fine. But I got in way over my head and just as the princess, I really didn't know how to find my way back see, I was acting like it was all fine, but on the inside I was beginning to just be racked with guilt and shame. In my 20s, as I got into my 20s, I got married when I was 21 years old and life started to really get hard. As the questions of life started to surface and I was keeping up these appearances, but I was dealing with a lot of garbage on the inside and a lot of bondages were starting to take place. Uh, my husband and I got married when we were he was twenty two, I was twenty one. I like to call those first few years of our marriage the war, um, because we are both very strong type A personalities, and we both wanted to be in charge. Uh, We took one of those, you know, personality test things, you know, and we both are type A's, and then our subdominant need, his is fun, and mine is order, and so you can see those things are going to clash, and they definitely did, and I was dealing with a lot of stuff that I really didn't want anybody to know about, even him, and so I had all these expectations of him and that he ought to be meeting these needs because there was all this emptiness going on inside me. I didn't have much biblical understanding, and yet we were supposed to be being these model examples for people in the church because he was the youth pastor and there was all these expectations. And then on top of all of that, we started going through infertility, and I was just sure that God was punishing me for all of the horrible things that I had done during those years that I was running off from the palace, and I really just didn't know how to find my way back to the Lord. And I was so guilt-ridden, I couldn't figure things out, and I just started sinking into the pit of depression that I had dug on my own. And I didn't know how I was ever going to find my way out. Here I was in church, married to the pastor, and yet in my inner being, I was not surrendered to the Lord at all. See, my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions like we talked about last night was still ruling who I was. I had not allowed the spirit that he had given me within me when I accepted him when I was eight years old. I had never really allowed him to take over and be in charge on a continual basis. Now, what would that spirit have done for me? Well, he would have kept my behavior in check if I had been listening to him every day. But not only that, he would have been ministering to me in these places of brokenness, in these places of bondages. He would have been speaking to me and talking to me and rescuing me and showing me there was a way out, there was a plan out, there is hope. It doesn't always have to be this way. You don't have to keep living this persona in church that you think everybody expects for you to have. But I wasn't in the Word. I wasn't listening to the Spirit. I didn't know how to hear from Him. Basically, I had not embraced righteousness and truth. Sure, I was in church every single week. But just like the princess in this story, I had left the house of my father. And I went off looking for a great time, thinking my own way, going my own way, feeling my own way. And as a result, I ended up a total mess. But... Just like that girl in the story, even if I wanted help, I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know how to get it because I was in such a place of hardship because I felt like everybody was looking to me to be the example. And so I couldn't expose what was going on and how I was struggling in all of these things. And so I was living this this double life. Now, praise God, just the kind of business he works in is people who are a mess. (laughs) See, it doesn't matter if you leave the house willfully Or in a subtle way, you go out the back door and nobody really realizes you've left. The results are all still the same. And it really takes a work of the Lord Himself to make things different for His his daughters who have all struggled. And ladies, let me set you free today. Every single one of God's daughters has struggled. You know, you might be the sister in your family that everybody thinks, well, she's the mess. You know, she's the one who hasn't made all the. You know what? It's not like that in God's family. Everybody is the black sheep, you know, we've all had a hard time. That's right. Give the Lord a hand on that because he's so good to give us that truth. Even that can set us free. All of us need a rescue effort. We all need to be rescued that first time from our sin when we receive him to be brought into his family, but many times after we're his daughter, he's got to come after us again and again to rescue us. And if we can just get a vision of our father this weekend, the king, he is not like the fathers that many of us had who seemed like they didn't care or maybe were not even around. I know some of you probably had wonderful fathers, but a lot of people don't. You know, they're human <laughs> just like you. And they, they many times hurt us out of their own hurt, that they don't know what it is that they're doing. Many of us have had men in our lives who have mistreated us, brothers who have disregarded us, but that is not our king. That is not our king. He is the God of all gods. He's the king of kings. He is perfect. He's holy. He's wise. He's majestic. He knows exactly how to minister and move in each one of our lives. Remember what he said, though, in that story, in that allegory that we read last night, you're mine, but you're never going to be happy until you accept both the privilege and the responsibility that goes with belonging to me. And this morning in our time together right now, what I want to talk about is the privilege. What is the privilege of belonging to your father, the king? See, as our chief shepherd, like we talked about last night in that scripture in 1 Peter, he wants to perfect and confirm us. And I truly believe that's a privilege and I want to share with you why. In fact, I would encourage you to turn with me again to 1 Peter 5. First Peter 5. Verse 10, and we'll read that together again this morning. It says, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, I know many of you are using the NIV version, and it uses the word restore. That's the same word for perfect. You know, when you restore a piece of furniture or anything that you're restoring, maybe a house or whatever it is you're restoring, it's a process before that thing looks completely new. You know, the Greek word for perfect, the Greek word that's used in the NIV for the word restore is actually this word that's up here on the screen. I don't pronounce those words (laughs) because I'm sure I would do it wrong. But that is the word, and it means to adjust thoroughly. You know, this adjustment in our lives happens the moment that we receive Jesus. When you raise your hand and you say, I want to receive Jesus. Yes, I want him in my life. And you, you go through the process of that. He makes a huge change in us. And you know what? It happens in an instant. It happens in an instant. In fact, the Bible calls that change justification. It's a doctrine word, okay? It's one of those high-sounding religious words, justification. And I like this definition for it. It means just as if I'd never sinned. See, God steps in in a moment when you receive Jesus into your life and you become his daughter and literally he makes it just as if you'd never sin. In other words, he takes all that guilt that you have, all of the guilt and the debt of sin, he takes it upon himself so that he can make you just as if you'd never sinned in an instant and then his spirit can literally be born within you. It might take a while for you to get to that place where you say, yes, 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 that's what I want. Just like... In the delivery room, and I got to be. Some of you have asked me. My children were both um, teeny babies when we adopted them. My daughter was two days old. My son, I got to actually be in the delivery room with him. I lived with his birth mother for two weeks before he was born. It was such a gift from the Lord for for me and some of the things that I had asked of him. But as I was in there, I mean, you know, going through this labor, going through this labor, but the birth happened in an instant. I mean, when it comes. It comes, you know, and you might be struggling and trying to say, decide, oh, do I want Jesus in my life? Do I want Jesus in my life? But when you decide and when you receive him, it's in an instant and that spirit is reborn in you. And that is a justification. We become a new creature in Christ, we're told. And that is definitely some adjusting, wouldn't you say, for for this spirit of God to be born within you. But it's also a perfecting work, a restoration work that takes place over time as well. And the Bible has a word for this too, and the word is sanctification. Because as His child, just as the princess in the story, we're often going to choose to go and out and do our own thing. We're going to choose to not allow the spirit of God to have control in our lives. But the difference is now we belong to the king. We're his daughter. And he's willing as a loving father not to be just somebody sitting over in the chair reading a newspaper. He wants to get in your life and he wants to work with you and work through this process that's a perfecting work, a restoration work that takes place over time and it deals with you layer after layer of all kinds of stuff that's going on in your life. It's such a privilege, ladies, to have the God of the universe be willing to get in your life and perfect you and restore you. It's a justification that happens like that when his spirit is reborn in you, but it is a sanctification process too that takes place over time time but listen to this it's still your choice if you want to be perfected or not you get to receive that privilege of being perfected we're going to go over to the book of luke and look at a woman named mary magdalene and i think her story is going to help us a little bit to see how we can maybe accept the privilege of being perfected luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 that's where we're going to be And I'll start reading. It says, And it came about soon afterwards that he, now he is Jesus here, he began going about from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. So basically this is telling us that Jesus and his twelve disciples were going about from city to city, proclaiming, preaching. We know they were healing and doing other things as well. From the other gospels it tells us that. And, And that's not news to most of us. You know, we know that Jesus went about. He walked from city to city doing that. It says, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. Now, I don't know if you realize that or not. But as Jesus went around from city to city, there was a bunch of women that were going too. And they were contributing to the disciples and Jesus' needs. Maybe setting up where they were going to stay. Maybe going into the town and buying the food and making sure they had something to eat. You know, It's not like everything just magically appeared all the time. These women were contributing out of their private means because Jesus had done a work in their life and, and they wanted to be and take care of him around where he was. Now Mary Magdalene was one of the women and she had been healed of seven demons. (laughs) She's called Mary Magdalene because she's from a city named Magdala. Now Magdala was a city known for its wealth. So I think we can safely assume about her that she was probably a rich kid grown up maybe had all the privileges of life maybe that you would think would be so wonderful and yet at some point she had to have veered off the path To where she opened her life up to being controlled by a demon. And then another demon. And then another demon. And to the point that she got to where she had seven demons possessing her. As one created by God. As a female created by God. She has become a child of sin. She is literally being ruled by evil in her life. Now, I wish that we were able to read in the Bible of when Jesus healed her. I would love to know all of the details of what that looks like. But we don't get to see that. That is not given as one of the accounts in the Gospels. But what happens after that is... And to me, it seems that she accepts the privilege of being a daughter of God after he has restored her and brought this light of life into her life. You know, because in the presence of Jesus, demons flee. (laughs) And so she had literally received him into her life and become his daughter. As many as received him, it said in John, will become a daughter or a, a child of God. Well, she had done that. And we get to see what happens afterwards. She literally starts following him around and out of the wealth that she has begins to contribute to his service. And she begins, I believe, to accept this process of perfection in her life. Now, what, what is she doing? And what can this say to us? I believe if we look at this, that she lived, in fact, all of these women were living as if Jesus alone had all the answers. You know, if she was a rich kid grown up, Don't you think she had access to help, (laughs) you know, maybe to go to the doctor or the counselor in town that could help you with things like that, you know? I wonder what it was like for her when she first became aware that, you know, something is not right with me. Have you ever been there? You know, I'm not matching up here. You know, other people don't act like this. And what she did, maybe if a friend said, well, you know, I think you ought to go see this guy down the road. He probably can help you. Maybe they mixed up some kind of concoction or did something over here or whatever. And then it just kept getting worse to the point that she probably felt like I can't share this with anybody. They'll think I'm absolutely crazy. They'll put me outside the city. I mean, all of these different things. But obviously none of these people that maybe she had access to because of her wealth helped her. But by the time she encountered Jesus, she was possessed by seven demons. And unlike anybody else, what was he able to do? Not just deliver her from one, but from all of them. I mean, this is an amazing thing for Jesus to do this work in our lives. Sometimes, you know, I have felt like, Lord, what on earth is wrong with me, you know? And to be able to come to him and allow him to make a difference. Sometimes we might feel like we're possessed by seven demons, maybe even more. Or sometimes we might look at the people across the table from us and think, something is wrong with you, sister. You need some help, you know? Let's, let's do something. Let's go find Jesus, okay? Are you clapping for yourself or for the person across the table? It's like, preach it, sister. No. Okay. You know what? I think that these women followed Jesus around and taking care of him Because they were grateful. Yes, they were grateful. But also, you know, women know how to eavesdrop and listen. And I think they were on the fringes of all this teaching, all of these things that Jesus was doing. They got to hear and see all of this truth that he was sharing day in and day out. They were daughters of the king. And they wanted to be right where he was. You think about these women. You know, you look here in verse 2. It says certain ones who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. That word healed is um, the Greek word from which we get our word therapy. And it carries with it the idea of going back again and again and again for treatment. It's not over in one time. And I don't know about you ladies, but I need to go to Jesus daily for the answers in my life. It is a therapy that has to move on and on and on. We just saw about Mary Magdalene delivered from seven demons. What about this lady Joanna here, the wife of She was Herod's, he was Herod's steward. Well, as a steward, the stewards back in that time were highly educated men. They were very um, much in charge of all the mass of wealth. For, for the kingdom. So, I mean, this is a person of great wealth and education. Don't you know that this woman, Joanna, had had access to all of these, anything she needed for whatever it was that was ailing her, and we don't even know what that was. And then it says Susanna, and she obviously was just a wealthy woman, and all these other, we don't even know how many that there were, who Jesus had done a work in all of these daughters, you know. He had brought them back into his family, and they're following him around. And, you know, I think in their hearts, they're just like, enough with all the wealth and access to education and all these people that everybody else says can help me I have found the answer and that is exactly where I'm going to be and I'm going to pour out my life to helping him but boy there's a lot of benefits there for me too I don't know if you know but it says in Ephesians that there's a lot of uh, not Ephesians Hebrews it talks about the benefits that accompany our salvation well one of the benefits that accompanies you becoming a daughter of God is you get to learn a lot of truth (laughs) and that makes a huge difference in your life you know what some of us are here today as daughters of God and we're running around outside the palace looking for answers in our life like the world has answers to give us it doesn't it doesn't have the answers in fact the Bible tells us that as a daughter of God His Spirit lives within us. And you know what one of the Spirit, one of the roles of the Spirit, Jesus said when He sends the Holy Spirit, He says He's going to teach you everything and He's going to remind you everything of everything that I have said to you. And you know what, that's how you get understanding and revelation in your life. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. If you don't understand something in the Word of God, you ask Him. And it's amazing to see Him give you the answers in so many different ways. You know what, as a daughter of God... Since I was eight years old, I spent so many years looking to the world and to people for my answers. When all I had to do was get with Jesus, even if just on the fringes of being in relationship with him, I would have gotten so much truth in my life instead of trying to find my answers in the world's answers that are only based on man's understanding. As his daughter, it is our privilege to be able to receive from Him the answers for our lives. He will speak right out of this living word and He will teach you all kinds of things. Since I've become a daughter of God that is hanging out with Jesus, you know, He has given me all kinds of insight and understanding and revelation about how to be a mom, how to be a wife, how to deal with weight issues, how to deal with sickness, how to deal with friendships, you know, how to spend my money, how to take care of that, how to deal with loving myself, how to deal with some rejection issues that I had. How to deal with the guilt that came. You know, all these different things. What to do about my children's education. You know, all of these different things. You just go to him and you ask him about all of these different things in your life and he'll teach you. He'll give you that understanding. The light bulb will come on like you hear people talk about and you're like, oh, and it's not like you read it in a book somewhere. It's like God himself has ministered to that, And then you know, I stand on this because it is an answer from God above. It's not something that man has made up that might change next Year. It's an eternal truth. And you begin to stand on those things, and it makes all the difference in your life. But how many of us, as his daughters, We think that the world has the answers, and we go to doctors, and we look to Oprah, and Dr. Oz, and Dr. Phil, and all these different places. I get so frustrated when I hear Christian women, daughters of God, talking about Oprah, and they don't know how to talk about what truths are in the Word of God. They can tell you all these things, and they give an hour every day to sit down and watch that stuff, when God, if you just give him five minutes, he would show you things in your life. That's right. That's right. I mean, we look to coffee, we look to books, we look to stuff, we look to our friends, we look to the news report, and we get all in in an uproar over these things, and then we wonder, why am I so confused, and why is there turmoil in my life? Ladies, they don't have the answers for us. Yes, God will use them. God uses doctors. He even uses things that we might see on TV or whatever, but you alone... In the places of your heart, you know, am I looking to those things for, for my life's answers or I, am I looking to the Lord and maybe every now and then he might use one of those things. You know that answer. And see, we can live behind a facade of things but really be looking outside the palace for our answers. That's what I was doing for so many years. But what's that line? You're not going to be happy until you accept the privilege and the responsibility that goes with belonging to To me, And part of the privilege is him perfecting us. See, we can bring any area of lack, question, need, you know, misunderstanding. You can just even come to him and just go, God, I don't have a clue what to do here. I am clueless. Maybe I should, but I don't know anything. And just begin to see him work. And then it just gives you a song in your heart to where you're one of those women that's dancing around because you've just got the joy of the Lord moving in your life, you know. Mary did that. I really believe she did that. What's something else we see in her story about accepting, you know, embracing this perfecting work in our lives? I think she spent a lot of time with him. And you know what? When we spend time with him, that gives him the opportunity to actually do some work. Back in verses 2 and 3, that's what it's talking about. They spent a lot of time walking around with Jesus, following him around from city to city. I would have loved to have known Mary before when she was possessed by seven demons, and then about a year after she'd spent some time with Jesus. See, these were real women. They're not just names in this book. They had real issues. They had real needs, and don't you just know with women who like to talk and ask questions and try to find their way into the conversation that as they walked from one city to another that conversations ensued along the road, you know, where they were with Jesus, where they talked to him, they learned from him. When they served him the food, they might have said, hey, Jesus, what do you think about, you know, as he was talking to them and ministering to them. And ladies, you know what? we have issues. We have things going on in our lives and we just need to talk to Jesus and just hang out with him. And wherever he's working, we just work too. And when we get a moment, we can ask him and talk to him about these things because patterns of sin are not going to just go away. You know what I'm finding? If you don't deal with them in your 20s, they're going to be uglier in your 30s. And then they're going to get uglier in your 40s and your 50s until you become an older woman and people look at you and go, I don't want to be anything like that. Whereas if you would allow Jesus to do some perfecting work in your life, you get to be an older woman, and then people are going, wow, the glory of God is all over that woman. Although this inner man is decaying, boy, my eternal glory is getting brighter and brighter every day. And that's a joy. You know, you don't have to worry about all the wrinkles and stuff. It doesn't matter because there's an inner glory that's coming out in you. And praise God for that. You know what? Don't misunderstand me. Your guilt of sin disappears in an instant when you're justified. It does. It disappears in an instant. In fact, Jesus takes that sin upon himself. You know, it's the great exchange. The Bible says he became sin so that we might become his righteousness. In other words, he said, I will take your sin upon me and I'll give you uh, my clothes of righteousness. I heard somebody say recently, you know, uh, a lot of us maybe would give our clothes to a homeless woman. But would you put on hers? (laughs) Jesus has put on your clothes. He made that great exchange. And that's why you can be justified. But we are still here in this place of death and sin. And we have so many patterns of sin manifested in our behaviors and in our just programming from when we were children that it takes a long time (laughs) to do this perfecting work. It's a process that happens over time. There's a scripture in 1 Thessalonians, if you want to turn there. 5.23, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I can find it, this is what it says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. In other words, do that perfecting work entirely. It says may your spirit, may your soul May your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, your spirit's been sanctified because he gave you a new one. He gave his spirit within it. Your soul is being sanctified as he works in your mind and your will and your emotions all the days of your life on this earth. And your body's going to be sanctified when one day you get a new one in heaven. He's going to do this complete work, but it is a process, and God is so good. He doesn't just give us the salvation bath and then leave us to figure it out on our own. He wants to get in life with you. He wants to do life with you as the king, as your five, as your father, and the Bible speaks about this again and again. You know, it uses words like transformed, renewing, working out. All of these things are process words. They all take Time, You know, I loved it when I finally understood this scripture in Philippians 2.12. This scripture used to haunt me because I'd hear it sometimes. And it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I'd think, oh, I haven't gotten it worked out yet. I've not done enough good stuff yet. God, you know, like I'm some child, like some little girl afraid of her angry father. That's the way I used to look at that. Like I had to work it out. Like I could work it out. I couldn't work that out. I couldn't get rid of all of the sin and the garbage in my life so that his spirit could live within me. God saved me. God perfected me in that instant when he justified me. He made me his daughter. That happened when he adopted me and allowed his spirit to be born in me. I can never save myself. But my mind, my will, my emotions, i got to work that out with God. (laughs) You know, I've got to embrace the privilege of him wanting to get in and give me a new mind and allow me to see that I can take control over these emotions through the power of the Holy Spirit and that I can make wise decisions based on truth and walk in those things every day. See, that's sanctification. That takes place over time. And in fact, if you keep reading in Philippians 2... Philippians 2 verse 13 after it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling it says for it is God who is at work at, in you to will and work for his good pleasure and see you're just working with him you're just allowing him he's not going to force his perfecting work in your life you got to embrace that but all oh, ladies you want to let me tell you you want to do that I, I wish I hadn't waited. Till I was 29, 30 years old to embrace that and really get serious about that. See, it's a privilege to have the God of the universe, my maker, my creator, counseling me on how to live. And I think that's one of the things that Mary and these other women did they decided to get serious. They didn't take what Jesus had done in their life and then go back to their life of ease. They said, no, I'm going to take my own private means. I'm going to follow him around. Maybe I can get some more of what he has to give because I realize there's a, there's a need for me to just keep going back and back to this, this king in my life who has made all the difference. He's got all the answers, and I know I need to give him some more time in my life. And ladies, in my life, I have had to give God a lot of time because he's had a lot of work to do in my life. He's had to take me from a quick temper because I was very quick to be angry and to just spout off to a gentle spirit. And that's not to say it's always like that. My kids were here today. They could tell you, you know, because mom can still go real quick (laughs) sometimes. But boy, he's done a work. And sometimes I'll just go, wasn't that nice? I didn't raise my voice. And I I just had a a gentle spirit, still disciplined. I still did what I needed to do, but I didn't blow my top. And God's changed that in me. And he couldn't have done that. He's had to take me from being selfish and greedy to having a compassionate and generous heart. Teaching me not to give into indulgence, boys, women. We can just indulge ourselves, can't we? To not to give in to that, but to exercise self-control. And I could go on and on. You know, I am just like you. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey with Jesus as my father. But for years, I was this unfinished product on the shelf because I wouldn't give God time. I was his daughter. I was doing all kinds of stuff for him, serving him, but I rarely gave him time. To just sit down with me and talk to me. You now the Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart. was any time for searching, boy. We got things to do, Jesus. We got to sing for you, and I got to do all these things. I got to be at the church. I got to make a casserole. I got to do this. I don't have time. And that's what needed to happen because that was the things that was going to literally bring the Spirit's life out in me. He needed time, and I had to give it to him. What's that line? You're never going to be happy unless you accept this privilege and the responsibility. And when we give him time, he does amazing things. I think one more thing that I want to look at here, you're going to need to turn over to John chapter 20, still talking about Mary Magdalene, just in a different gospel. John 20. We're going to find Mary at the tomb... A lot of times with these stories, you just kind of have to piece things together because you just get little bits and snippets. I'm going to have lots of questions when I get to heaven. I guess I'll need to set up my interview times with all of them because I, I, all these things I've got to fill in here. But John chapter 20, it's after Jesus has been crucified on that Sunday. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark, and she saw the tomb. Uh, saw the stone already taken away from the tomb, and so she ran and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and she said to them, "They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't not, not know where they have laid him." So she's running to the tomb. She's all upset when she's not sure where he's at because she had been there, ladies. She had been at the foot of the cross. She had helped to put him in the tomb. She, and she wanted to be right there. Do you see this heart in her? You know, that's the kind of woman I want to be. Somebody that's been delivered. And I'm right there. But you know what? Let's read in verses 11 through 16. After, you know, uh, some of the disciples had come. It says, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and she looked into the tomb. And she beheld two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them because they have taken away my lord and I don't know where they have laid him. When she had said this she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her woman why are you weeping whom are you seeking supposing him to be the gardener she said to him sir if you have carried him away tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew rabbi which means teacher. You know what there's a lot to learn from these verses. But this is what I want us to gather from this. Mary was just totally laying it all out there. She was just being real. You know, her feelings were right at the of seeking Jesus were right at the surface in her life. And so she was the first one up on that morning, the first one to go to the tomb, and then she gets there, she can't find him. She's got all these questions. She's not trying to be some dignified person trying to, you know, do things all politically correct and ask the soldiers in a in a perfect way. She just is being real. She's just being herself and laying all her questions out there. And even then when she's speaking to Jesus and she doesn't even know it's him, she's all upset and she's just being real. And you know what, ladies, this is what I have found happens, and I think it's a principle here. When we're real with Jesus, when we're real with other people, that's a lot of times when God can begin to do the work in our lives and many times it's when he gives us a revelation in our lives when we take down the boundaries that hold him back in our lives. So often as women, we come under this lie that we have to have it all together for Jesus to be able to do anything and to show us anything new. We got to get rid of all the junk so we can come to him all perfect, you know, understanding everything and then expect him to do something and that's that's a lie. God sees it all anyway. You might as well just tell him. (laughs) You might as well just tell him what your questions are. Tell him where you've messed it up or gotten a wrong understanding or are all confused or whatever it is because then he can show you the truth. I would share with you personally that probably the biggest revelation that God has ever given me in my life, the biggest understanding is how valuable of a treasure his word is. But that is not where I started. During those years that I you know, was growing up and then got into those ministry years early in my life that I shared with you about in my testimony earlier, I really came to the point when I was about 26 years old that I knew I didn't know how to get back in the palace. I didn't know how to restore this relationship that I had allowed to get such a mess. And I knew enough to know that I probably needed to be giving God some time in His Word, but I just was just tired of feeling guilty and all of it, and I didn't have... Any affection for the Word of God at all. In fact, if I'm bluntly honest, the Bible bored me. I could read a novel, I could sit there all day long on the beach and never be, you know, distracted, never fall asleep. I mean, I'd stay up till three in the morning, just I love to read. It wasn't that. I just didn't see any relevance. There were blinders on my eyes. And when I finally came clean with Jesus and I just said in a real way, Lord, this sounds horrible, but your word bores me. And I don't see any relevance at all to my life. I don't see any connection. I know enough to know that the Bible says you are the author and the finisher of my faith. So would you author a love for me for your word? Now, I prayed this for three years. Every time I felt guilty, I was tired of feeling guilty. So it was kind of a haughty prayer. It's like, Lord, if you want me to love it, you help me because I can't. Do you know that, and I don't know why it took three years, and I don't know why he did this in the way that he did that. But one morning, I woke up, and I was a completely different woman. I was 29 years old, and I had such a hunger for the word of God, I could not put it down. And that is why I'm doing what I'm doing today. But the greatest revelation, he took the blinders off my eyes. He showed me what a treasure this is. He showed me that it was the answer in my life for what I had been missing. And I wouldn't have seen it. I really don't believe if I had kept up this pious, outward thing that I'll get it all together one day, Lord, and we'll we'll get this connection thing going on again. It wouldn't have happened if I had not been willing to come clean with him. It took me a long time. You know, let's learn from Mary's life here, you know. Just just be real. Just be real with Jesus. And I think that's one of the reasons why she gets to be the very first person that ever saw the resurrected Lord. Amen. How awesome is that when she was just real, when she when she had all of these questions. And in fact, you know what, that leads us, this whole thing about the Word being my answer, it leads us right into this next, next aspect, this next privilege of being a daughter of the King and that is his confirmation over our lives you know what without the Word of God flowing in your life every day you are not gonna know that privilege you're not gonna know the confirmation of him over your life because the Word is what speaks that confirmation in your life have you ever known anybody that was truly a daddy's girl and maybe some of you were maybe some of you were privileged to be that way don't you envy them you know and why is it that we envy that because women have a deep need to know that they are loved, that they're needed, that they're valued and appreciated. You know, many young girls grow up not knowing that. They don't experience that. Maybe they know that in their head, but they, they can't grab a hold of it with their hands. You know, they long for hearing words of love or moments of father-daughter affection or statements of approval and confirmation over their life. And because they haven't received it here, it's so difficult for us to grab onto. there's a God in heaven who loves me? Well, the only example I have is, is not working out too well with that. But, you know, all these things that we long for as a little girl and a father, they're all summed up in one word, and the word is confirmation you know if you look back in first peter remember it says after you've suffered for a little while the god of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in christ will perfect confirm what is this word confirm this is the word that was used in the greek here and you know what it means it means to render constant and one of the things that the chief shepherd wants to do in your life is to render constantly, to speak to you constantly that he loves you and he approves of you and he, he confirms you. You know what? A confirmation by our definition is a formal approval. Usually they're done in writing. You know? Well, let me tell you, the Lord has written it down again and again and again how much He loves us, how much He approves of us, how much He wants to be in that relationship with us. And I spent years as a daughter of God not knowing that. I went through all kinds of rejection, garbage, and mess. I wasn't experiencing the privilege of knowing him as my father, his approval over my life because I wasn't in the word and I wasn't giving him time to tell me and to use that living, active word for that. I was listening to the lies of Satan. You don't measure up, you know? God could never love you. Maybe he tolerates you, but he really doesn't love you. You've done too much, you know, You're just kind of he'll, he'll just kind of get you through maybe till you get to heaven, you know, but it, it, just forget it for here because it's just gonna be a struggle. You know, that kind of garbage that just flows through our minds. And you know what? I know that in this room and in God's kingdom, there are so many daughters who are listening to those lies. Being in women's ministry, I hear the stories all the time. So many of us fall victim to those those things, but it doesn't have to be that way. Part of the privilege of belonging to God is knowing his confirmation over your life, knowing that you're confirmed by the king. You can know that. 1 John 4, 6 tells us we can know the love of God. Ephesians 3.19 tells us that we can know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. You might not understand it, but you can know it. You can experience it. In fact, it tells us there in Ephesians that it will fill us up to the fullness, to where it is overflowing in our lives. Psalm 56.9, David said this. He said, this I know that God is for me. Do you know that God is for you? As, his, as, as your king over your life, do you know that he's for you, that he's on your team I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody and it's not, you don't know for sure where you stand. You're always wondering, are they going to reject me today? Are they going to say something ugly? Oh, if I do this, this might happen. You know that. You know what I'm talking about? That is a horrible place to be and that is not at all what God has designed for us in our relationship to Him. The Bible tells us nothing can separate us from His love. I don't know if you've ever read in Psalm 91.1. This makes me think of the whole idea of of God being my daddy, of me getting to be the daddy's girl. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. See, we might not can climb up on Our king's lap, but you can climb up under his wings. And that whole passage is all of the benefits that will happen in your life as you get up under the the covering of God in your life, being his his girl, you know, letting him confirm you and do these things in your life. It's that constant rendering. The Amplified Bible even says there in Psalm 91.1, it says, that person is going to remain stable. They're going to remain fixed. You know why? Because it's constant God speaking into your life. You know what? God has a fresh word for us every single day. A fresh word of love, sometimes many times throughout the day, just as a awesome godly daddy would in the home of speaking just, where oh, come on, princess, come here, give your daddy a hug. Give it. That's God. He wants to speak those things in our lives and confirm us. My assistant, Kelly, just spent some time in Scotland, and she got stuck over there during that whole volcanic thing, you know, and ended up having to stay a whole extra week. And I was so glad for her to get back for lots of reasons. We had a lot to do, but, you know, she came back, and she called me, actually, as I was writing this message uh, about a week ago, as I was working on some of these things, and she called me, and she was in Philadelphia, finally on her way home, had just gotten back from Europe and waiting for her next flight and so we were just talking and she said you know what one of the things that was so good she said I just got to really just spend some just extended time in my Bible study time while we're just waiting, you know, just waiting and she said, God just every day was just so particular in my life of just speaking what I needed to hear, of reminding me that I was his and that he's for me and and she's going through some things in her life where she really needed to know these things and she said, "It, it was just awesome to get to do that, well you know what, that's what happens he uses his living word to speak right where we're at and sometimes it just takes your breath away because God is speaking to you and saying, you're mine you belong to me, I have good for your i want to bless you let's do it this way today don't don't go down that path remember how that worked out for you i mean just constantly confirming and saying you belong to me and i have a good perfecting work to do in your life and what a privilege that is it is our privilege to know that from the king as i look at mary magdalene and the rest of these women and all of the reasons that they stayed near to jesus i just have to think this is one of them Because don't you know Jesus in his tender, compassionate, loving heart who wept over the city of Jerusalem and said, I've just longed to call you as my own. Don't you know as they were walking along with me, he just spoke these words, these tender words that pierced right to the heart. And they wanted to be near that. They wanted to have that in their life. And ladies, that is our privilege. We can't walk around with Jesus every day, but you really can because the Bible, like we read last night, calls him the Word of God. And this this is him. And you can carry him around and allow that to be a part of your life. You know what? We will not experience this confirmation if we're not following him around, if we're not with him and spending time with him. So let's learn from their example and stay near. You know, how many of you have ever said, I'd love to live like royalty. <laughs> most of us have. You know, we've longed for a few days of royalty. And why is that? Because you, you are privileged if you are royalty. What makes royalty so special? It's the privilege. I want to tell you about a, a woman that I've gotten to know in the last four or five months. Um, she, her story is probably harder than most of us will ever know. She grew up in an incredibly abusive home, um, Uh, parents both addicted to substances and just all kinds of things going on. And she felt worthless and anything but royalty, (laughs) definitely not privileged. By the time she was in her early teens, she became uh, drug addicted and involved in prostitution and over the last several years has just been in and out of jail because of those things. And in December, uh, I was reading something in the paper. I was actually pulling out the coupons on Sunday. That's basically all I do. I don't read the paper. I just get it to get the coupons because I'm a thrifty girl. And uh, But we as a ministry, we had gone to Romania in October. I had taken a team of seven women, and, and it, was, it was a great experience. But when we came back, I just knew in my heart That God was going to use us in our own city in the coming year in what was called the dark places. That was what God just kept giving me. You need to go to the dark places. Just like there are dark places in Romania, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort to go over there. There are women right under your nose here. Let's start ministering. So we started praying. So December, you know, God answers when you pray. And December, I'm looking through the paper, and I pull out, um, you know, the... Um, the coupons, and this whole article falls in front of me that uh, is talking about prostitution in our city. So I started reading it, and there was a picture of this girl there, and it was highlighting her story. And so clearly, the Holy Spirit said, You need to go visit her. I was like, Oh. I don't do that. <laughs> I've never been to a jail. Um, truly, I want to minister in the dark places, but that's a little much, God. You know, I don't know how to do that, and I started coming up with all the reasons, you know, why I couldn't. Well, God doesn't let up, and he pressed in, and I truly did want to be obedient. I was just scared. It was, it was a totally unknown realm to me. So early January, because it took a little bit of time to get it all set up, you know, I go to visit her. Well, I didn't know You know, I had had to write to her. She had to put my name on her list. She's only allowed so many visitors. But I didn't know if she wanted to see me or if she was just curious, why is this person writing to me? I didn't know if she was a believer. I didn't know anything. So I was scared at the reaction I was going to get. Totally, you know, new surroundings. But what I found was a young woman who had the story that I just told you who had received Jesus. But now she's this daughter of God, and she doesn't really know how to walk with him. And she has no one. She's lost her family. She's lost everybody in her life. And she just needed somebody to go and walk alongside her and show her the privilege of belonging to the king. And you know what? In the last several months, what a blessing it has been in my life to get to go and visit her, to write to her. We've gotten her a calling cards where she can call me on the weeks that I can't go visit because it's Friday night visits and, you know, I wasn't there this weekend. And so... It's just been a blessing to me to see her just begin to shine as she's embracing this privilege of God's perfecting work in her life, as she's embracing the privilege of being in the Word and seeing Him confirm her. My assistant Kelly and I have a royal title for her. She doesn't know it yet, but we call, it, we call her broken and beautiful because, see, she could wallow and pout in the jail in all that's happened in her life, but instead, she has chosen to accept the privilege and she is embracing it. And she's literally pouring her time as she's in there into this privilege and I truly believe that God is going to eventually just shine out of her in amazing ways in fact in the last couple weeks she has begun some ministry of her own in the jail and I'll, I'll tell you even about something with that later on today as we as we share some more but she's embracing this privilege but it goes back to what we started with last night when we said are you a daughter of God well the question as we finish out right now is are you embracing that privilege are you embracing him perfecting you are you embracing him, confirming you because it truly is your privilege it is your privilege but you have to embrace that and it doesn't matter what your circumstances are I hope her story helps you to see that doesn't matter where you're at no matter what you're bound by even if you're behind bars you can literal bars you can embrace that privilege and it will begin to set you free it will begin to set you free you know we're going to close out right now and we're going to take a break and I want to encourage you in this As we go, and I believe we're going to go and take a picture and do some things, but talk to one another about these things that God is speaking to us you know, what would embracing the privilege look like in your life? You know, how do you want to embrace the privilege? How do you want to embrace that confirmation? What would you like for that to look like in your life? And as you go and you're getting set for the things that we're going to be doing and even come back in here and sit back around the table, start up the conversation with the person around the table with you and say, how do you want to embrace that? Listen to what they have to say. You share, if they don't, you know, because sometimes it's a little hard to share those things. You say, you know what? I want to tell you how I want to embrace this privilege in my life more and will you pray for me you know maybe you can just pray right where you're seated there it would be a wonderful thing it was beautiful to me today as as I came in and just see some of you women sitting around in different places praying together and in the word together giving God time to do this privileged work in our lives what a blessing that is let's pray together God thank you so much that you've given us a privilege you've given us this privilege and oh Lord I wasted that privilege for years for years I wonder where I would be today if I hadn't wasted that privilege. But you are a redeeming God. You get involved in our lives when we come back to you, Lord. You throw open the door and you're so ready, God, as, our, as we are your daughters, Lord, to just take us in and love on us and work in us, God. And we thank you so much that you do that. Lord, help us to give you time. Help us to embrace that, Lord. I know there are women who want to do that here. And I just pray that you will give them that oomph to do it. That you'll give them a sister to walk alongside them, Lord. But even if they don't have one, Lord, they can reach out to you no matter where they're at. Help us to know that. Allow your Holy Spirit to minister that to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.